Welcome to The New Beyond, a podcast that invites listeners to learn how to not only think outside the box, but learn how to live outside it, out in what I call The New Beyond. What's that, you ask? Well, first, let me tell you what it's not. It's not the new normal, nor is it the new abnormal. The New Beyond is a place in consciousness that lies beyond ideas of normal and abnormal. It's a place where the new comfort zone has much more to do with your willingness to play big and be uncomfortable while you're learning how to navigate this brave new world. Hello, I'm Dr. Judith Rich, an octogenarian, coach, and author of the best-selling book, Beyond the Box. I've spent the last 46 years in the field of transformation, coaching people all over the world how to identify and break through old patterns and limiting beliefs that have kept them stuck and challenged to move their lives in the direction of what matters most. In this podcast, I'll be your guide. And from time to time, we'll hear from some interesting people in the field of transformation and others who, by example, are courageously tearing down old walls, reinventing themselves, and building their lives in the new beyond. Join me as we begin an adventure in going beyond where you think you can go. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Judith Rich, and we're meeting at the new beyond. My guest this week is Christina Maglino. Christina is a shamanic guide, energy intuitive, who works with visionary women healers, I should say women, healers, and artists to call in their soul's mission, align with their divine gifts, and birth their creative visions into the world. I mean, who would be doing that kind of work but a shamanic guide and an energy intuitive, right? Her passion is to support spiritual visionary women to manifest through the divine feminine essences. She coaches women to drop the masculine hustle, do the deeper work of healing ancestral trauma so they can live a life of major impact with ease. I can't wait to hear more about this. Christina is trained. Wait till you hear this list of modalities she's trained in. Hypnotherapy, Buddhist psychology, advanced energy medicine, advanced shamanism, insight meditation, attachment theory, and family constellation work. So kind of sounds like one-stop shopping to me. (laughs) In addition to that, Christina has a podcast available on Apple and Spotify and probably some other platforms called Collaborations with Spirit. It sounds to me, Christina Miglino, welcome to the new beyond. It sounds like you have been residing in the new beyond most of your life. Am I right? You're exactly right, Judith. (laughs) You're exactly (laughs) right. That's my place. I love it. Yes. Well, it's no accident that you and I are meeting here in this place that I'm calling the new beyond. So how did your work with energy medicine and shamanism come about? Um, How did that story begin for you? You know, it's 
It's interesting because there's sort of two places I could start. I could start with um, a near-death experience at eight years old, or I could start with my early 20s where my life was falling apart. And so I needed support and I went and sought that support and discovered my calling through it, which of course, right? Isn't that what we do? Um, How about we do the both and? <laughs> the both and. Okay, perfect. I'll give you the, you know, the highlight reel, right? Sure. Of, of the full thing. So what's kind of fun about what my work is today is I work with a lot of people waking up, as I'm sure you do as well. And what's kind of interesting is when I was eight years old, I was actually, I got very, very ill. I eventually had to be taken out of school. I had migraine headaches from the time I was three years old, which is like, who mm. has that? That's so strange. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so I got really sick with the migraines at about eight, and I was put into children's hospital. And at children's, they did, you know, they ran all the tests. They were like, why is this child this sick? Um, and it was extreme. It, it wasn't just a headache. It was like lethargic, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't really function at all. And, you know, as Western medicine, as it's good for some things and it's not great for other things. And eventually they decided that they couldn't figure it out. So they did an MRI scan because they thought, well, maybe there's something physically going on with the brain. And they found at the time what they called a tumor in my hypothalamus. So the mm -hmm. hypothalamus is the very center of the brain, interestingly enough. Like, so if you look at the scans of my brain, it's like smack dab right in the middle of the brain, right? <laughs> I find this to be fascinating spiritually now that I lived through it. What, what, what do you think the spiritual significance of that is? Oh, I just think, well, so the story goes, I'll, I'll tell you, cause you'll see in the story. So, okay. so, uh, they tell my parents that I'm not going to live very long because this is clearly an abnormality that's going to grow and it's going to be a whole thing, right? And so at that age, I thought, okay, well, that was a quick life, you know, like something, this is going to grow and it's not going to be good. And so they were looking at, my parents were looking at what is brain surgery for a child of this age. And, of and this it was age. inoperable because of where it was located or? It was operable at about a, about a 50% rate of survival. Okay. But you know, also time, right? They needed to be, they needed to check on it and see if it does grow over time. So over mm -hmm. time they kept checking mm -hmm. and doing these scans. Well, meanwhile, I was so sick and they didn't understand. So they put me in the child psychiatric unit. So they moved me there. I moved in. I went to school there. I talk about a shamanic experience because I lived in a psychiatric ward for months. Talk about an initiation. It was it was so horrific. Like I don't it's hard to talk about because I think about those kids still. I still think about the children in there who whatever their thing was, you know, there were children in there who had what we call these different mental illnesses, but there were also a child was brought in at that time who was deaf and her parents left her there. Like there, we don't understand, right? This is just mm -hmm. one of the places we put people that we don't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. So, and I say this with so much love now in my heart for everyone along the way. I don't, I don't think back and think, 
you know, I experienced some really traumatic things in there, but I don't blame anyone. I -hmm. feel like clearly Mm -hmm. I was meant to, to move through all of this. So, you know, can I just, can I just yes. kind of poke a finger in here at the time, you know, you say, I don't blame anyone at the time when you were in there, what did you feel? At the time I have really strong memories of feeling abandoned. Yeah. And why would yeah. you? Yeah, of course. Right. I'm a very little child. I'm a young, young person. So, and scared. Oh, I was terrified for my life. Absolutely. Yeah. And and angry or any any of those ten, you know, tenors of emotions? Anger was not something I knew yet because I had a very angry father. So in some ways it was like there wasn't now when I look back I didn't have the space for that emotion inside myself. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but at the time I was I was heartbroken. I was suicidal for the first couple of weeks I was in there. I was really plotting how to take my own life. I mean, this is so sad, but it it was very real. You know, we we both know the significance of seven, eight years old. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's a it's oh, a, yeah, it's, it's an important time. And what's interesting to me as an adult is I remember everything. So, you know, I don't remember everything from three years old, but from eight years old, I mm-hmm. remember all of it. Mm hmm. And the biggest thing was just feeling like as much as I knew my family loved me, they couldn't even reach me in this space, right? They were hours away. They, my parents had two other little kids at home. Visiting hours were, were twice a week and only a few hours at that. So it was very much like the experience of being sort of left to. And where, where were you at this time? Where did you grow up? Where did this take place? I grew up on the Kitsap Peninsula in Washington State near Seattle. Okay. And I was at Seattle Children's Hospital. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. the, in the psychiatric unit. So what's interesting is one night, this is the memory I have. One night I was, I had a migraine. I was experiencing pain. I mean, I can't, it's hard to explain. I still get migraines, but th- it was like full body, like I was so ready to go and I just prayed. I was, I grew up Catholic. So I was a very Catholic little girl. Mm -hmm. I knew all my prayers. I knew, you know, I was very connected to the angels and the saints and Jesus and Mary. And I just prayed to take me out of this body. I was like, whatever, I can't go on like this, whatever, Mm. wherever I can go next, please take me there. And I, I essentially was taken out of my body. I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than sort of what you see in the movies of like going into this vast tunnel of white light, you know, Mm -hmm. I was traveling outside of my body Mm -hmm. and I was met by two angels. I remember this like it's happening right now Mm -hmm. and angels. I don't know if you've ever experienced the energy of like archangels, but they are bigger than life. And these two presences, and it's hard to say because it's not, it wasn't like tangible, right? It was very much like a feeling Mm -hmm. and it was vision, uh, visions, you know, I could Mm -hmm. see these two female bodied angels and they basically said to me, you are not alone. We are your family. We are with you all the time. 
and it is not your time to go. And you will go back and you will help people because you're going to get through this. That was essentially what they shared with me. And I was zoomed back into my body and woke up, jumped out of my bed, ran over to my little, I had like some crayons and markers and things. And I drew the angels, you know, at my little desk. And in that moment, what is so fascinating, talk about moments that just shift your entire trajectory of your life is I knew I went from suicidal to the next day knowing I'm going to get out of here. And how this is also very strange, how I got out was I pretended that I was okay. So I played all the games that the adults had us playing because I was, you know, it's a long like story, but they put you on like behavior modification, therapy and all these like ways of sort of um, judging your behavior. Like, are you acting like you're feeling better? Are you acting normal? Are you eating your lunch? Are you, you know, it's all these things where they're like, will you get this many points if you do it right kind of thing. So I just got all the points. I was like, okay, I'll just pretend I'm fine. Won't ask for help. Won't, you know, all the things. Were you I still was, having headaches? Were you oh, still I having? Was horrible. Oh. I had headaches for weeks at a time. And it didn't even matter. And this is what's so interesting is it didn't even matter. I just decided one day I was getting out of there. So I just want to put a, I just want to park here for a half a second and put a pin in because what you just said highlights for me, the power of choice, the power of, of conscious awareness and intention, which is something that I, I know you teach, I teach, you know, the power of intention. It was your intention. You're getting out of there. So you did whatever you needed to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. Wow. What happened next? I'm, I'm riveted. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I won't, it's, it's so convoluted because then I went home and they, you know, told my parents, like, keep her on the behavior modification therapy. It's working for her. And of course, I went home and we all know what home is, right? It's the place where, where the environment and the people and we go back to our old habits and our old patterns. And I just, I got sicker than ever. I went back to my home and just really, you know, it got really bad. And the, the issue here in part is that we didn't know what was the breakdown, like my my body was failing. So I really was extraordinarily ill, but nobody had any ideas about why that was or what was going on with my body. Was there some other issue here or factor aside from this hypo, this thalamus tumor, not hypothalamus, but a tumor on the thalamus. Was it thought that there was something else was going on? Oh or yeah. I mean, they, the doctors actually in the hospital said that the tumor, they called it a tumor at the time. I call it my magic powers, but they called it a tumor, um, that that couldn't be creating migraines. There wouldn't be any reason why that would create migraines. So of okay. course it's like, okay, great. You know, they went digging, they found a landmine. Um, but there was something else going on. So my mother, 
bless my mother, seriously, because without that woman, I don't know where I would be. But my mother, you know, like so many of us wise women had so many, um, she was just always looking for solutions and always looking to learn, like, how can we learn more? How can we figure out more? And by the way, like I grew up pretty poor, you know, we didn't really have stuff. We didn't really have extra money, but my, my mother in particular, she was just, she wasn't going to stop, you know, until I was better. So someone reached out to her about a woman, a healer, a woman who worked with herbs, who did muscle testing in Oregon, of course, Oregon, right? I feel like, <laughs> of course, Oregon's <laughs> going to be the place where she was, she was moving through this woman healer who had actually looking back, she had been helping women with breast cancer. I believe that's accurate is she was helping women with breast cancer naturally, right? And so my mom's friend Robin said, you got to bring Christina. This woman's going to come to my house. We're going to help her out, right? So I went and this woman literally, she muscle tested me head to toe. I, she gave me a list, a laundry list of herbs that would regulate my systems. And she said that she believed I had parasites in my brain and in my stomach and that they were really bad and that I had adren my adrenal glands we're almost completely shut down. So there it is. Like you can't live without your adrenal glands functioning, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was, I mean, we can talk about all the reasons why, right? My nervous system was completely out of whack. I grew up in a very chaotic and abusive home. You know, of course I was, I had taken on something really big in my family. Of course. You know? Yeah. 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 So you know, you know, what's so interesting is that so oftentimes people who end up being healers and shamans have an origin story similar to yours. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Have a story where they have their own initiation in early childhood that really brought them through, you know, drugged them through uh, the, the deep water, I mean, you were initiated into the deep water very young. And so did you spend the whole rest of your life there? Or I know, I know later on in your story, I'm familiar with the loss of your sister. Yeah. That was an important piece of your story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I just have tears coming to my eyes because it's just so big. Like, you know, and, and we talk about picking, like some of us believe we pick the life that we're yeah. stepping into. And I think in some ways we probably do. Um, but man, I picked a doozy, you know. Um, and yeah. and so, yeah, we could, you know, one could ask, well, why? Or right. one could, or one could, or one could say, perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was the perfect ecosystem that you needed to, to develop the gifts in yourself that you have developed. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if Without you had grown up in a quote unquote, normal <laughs> family, you, you may very well not have 
come to the place that you've come to in your life right now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of the things you share is your own experience several years ago where you found yourself at a, a kind of a dark place, a place that you describe as, you know, being burned out and exhausted and sick, mm-hmm. right? And that you were experiencing, mm, how, would you, how would you characterize that time? <laughs> what was going on? How did you get, I mean, ha- had you at that point in time, had you connected with the shamanic energy work or was this prior to? Um, it depends on which time you're talking about because <laughs> there's the time in my early 20s where I was um, in a very abusive relationship. And that was what led me to doing the shamanic work with an amazing teacher. Um, or a couple years ago, I would say about five years ago when I started my own business, I was having what I, I call them now. And, you know, you probably know about this. I call them ego deaths. Like I was going through an awakening because, you mm-hmm. know, people say, well, I had an awakening. It's like, oh, honey, we have awakenings all the time, <laughs> right? It's like throughout our lives, it's almost like once you realize that's what's happening, then you just, you you continue to have them, yes. right? That yes. doesn't stop after one. But my, my last big, I would say, like initiatory awakening time was a few years ago and it was a series of yeah all i can explain them is as uh like ego deaths where i would have such extraordinary pain but not necessarily physical more emotional i mean i don't think we talk enough about this by the way more emotional and mental kind of like torturous like pain. I would wake up in it. I would wake up feeling depressed and lost and confused. And I would call, I remember you had Beth Osmer on here, I think already. And um, she's a dear, dear friend. And I would call Beth or I would call my mom most days for a long time through that time, because I was like, just, just like, just hold me now because I feel like I can't do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And you said that you were in a a difficult relationship at that time. Was that what was going on? Is that what you would point to as being the catalyst for this? Or what was the, what do you think was the catalyst for you going through this period? That the difficult relationship was like 10 years before this. Okay. This one was me stepping, I think, stepping more fully into my calling Mm-hmm. and leaving all my other jobs and all my other projects and all of those things and saying, probably for the first time, saying, I am a healer. I am here to support this awakening for many people. And I'm willing now to to do this out on my own and not know what's going to happen. I think that was a huge part of it. Wow. Um, you... <clears throat> I, I, w- I might characterize this as a dark night of the soul. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it isn't that we necessarily just have one dark night of the soul. It's not like we just go through that. Um, 
you know, and Jung, uh, I've, I've studied Jung's work and Carl Jung speaks in terms of depression as a soul descent time Yeah, that the soul, as he describes it, does its work in the dark, deep, dark waters, the fertile uh, area of the dark. And so we are called, everyone is called to descend into that territory within ourselves. And it sounds to me like this is what was happening for you. And for most people, if we don't, and most people are not educated, they don't have an orientation. They don't have a context to hold this in. That's so right. what they do is medicate themselves out of it. They take antidepressants. And I'm not saying that there's not a place for Western medicine, nor, nor, am, I, nor am I suggesting that one shouldn't investigate that. Uh, I, what I am suggesting, and I really want to hear your take on the a, a, another context in which to hold this experience which is the soul calling us to descend into the deep inner interior of our being to do its work. And I love what you say. I, I, I saw this somewhere in print. You say your soul is wise. Your soul is divinely guided. Your soul knows what it's doing here. That's right. Talk some more about that. Oh, I have the chills just listening to you. Um, <laughs> well, you know, the piece that I think I want to speak to of what you just shared is that we are, we're in a collective descent right now. Yes. And it's true that we can miss it. We can miss the whole point of it. Um, Sometimes when we're because we have plenty of ways of distracting ourselves, don't we? That's right. Exactly. exactly. And we're good at it. I mean, when I say we, we in the collective as humanity, we are masterful at avoiding and distracting and medicating and all the ways that we do to miss this, this, I'll call it an opportunity. I think that's where you're going. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we are in, we are in the time of the most grand opportunity. Yeah, I believe. Let's talk about that. Oh my gosh. It's so amazing. It's so exciting, you know, in a way. And I know there's so many things to talk about that are part of the descent that aren't comfortable and aren't pretty. And yeah, there's a lot to look at here. There's a lot to grieve. You know, I just, I believe that this is a, um, you know, the word apocalypse means to un unveil or uncover something, right? And I think that's what we're doing. We're seeing things, some of us for the first time. And what I think is really exciting, one of the things, there's many, but one of them is that what I'm seeing with people right now, maybe more than ever in the work that I do, is that and I see it mainly, I mostly work with women. I do see this in the men I work with as well, but I mostly work with women and I'm just seeing this sort of thirst for um, understanding the depths of the waters, understanding the, the mystery and, and, and being guided into it. So instead of this thing of like avoidance, which of course, yes, there's plenty of that going on still, 
I'm just seeing like women coming and wanting it, wanting to go in, wanting to be held in that space. And I think, gosh, yeah, the, yep, this was the, the right life. This was the right journey. <laughs> I had to go through all of that because I tell people a lot that there's really nothing you can say that would surprise me. And I yeah. really mean it. I don't mean it as a marketing tool. I mean it as like, I, I didn't, I didn't consciously say I have to do the hardest work with people. And I just keep, it just keeps happening because the universe is like, this is what your soul signed up for. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this is one could say, I I would say this is your, a soul assignment. This is the assignment. This is the mission your soul came in with. You know, I describe it as we come in with a calling written on our hearts. Yes. And our job in in our in a lifetime as a human is to discover what that is. Yes. And you know, as you have shared with us here, the soul comes to us, it it calls us and it 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 gives us visions, it gives us glimpses, it leaves breadcrumbs. You know, it leaves clues and, you know, it speaks to us in our dreams and, and through music and prayer and meditation and all the different ways that the soul communicates with us. Mm-hmm. And what I'm getting, Christina, is that the work that you do with people, mostly women, is to support people tuning in to that yes, so that they can align with it. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Can you say more about, about that, about the importance and the meaning of that? Yeah. I mean, a lot comes up when you say that, you know, the aligning piece, cause it's like, gosh, that's everything. And it sounds so simple and it's everything, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, it's a whole piece of work, isn't it's it? It's a whole piece of work. And- because what does one go through in order to get aligned? What is that work? Well, it's the, it's the, I've been calling it like the free fall, like you, you've been talking about, like it's being willing to be in the free fall and, um, and surrender, like fully surrender to the experience and not know, not only not know, have no guarantee. You have, we have no guarantees. You know, know, I, I did a, I did a Facebook live yesterday as to when we're recording this podcast, although it'll be a couple of weeks before this is aired. So now by the time people are listening to this podcast, it will have been a couple of weeks ago. I did a Facebook live. I don't know whether you happen to catch it or not, but I was talking about, I showed a cartoon of a person standing at the edge of a gigantic cliff and above them is a big hand about to flick that person off the cliff and it's labeled the universe. Yes. Did you see that? I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another hand down below an open palm about to catch that person. And it says also the universe. That's right. So that free fall in between from the big flick, I love, you know, one of, one of the people I coach said, yeah, it's, I think I'm in the big flick chapter (laughs) of my life. Right. We all go, we all go through the big flick. Yeah. 
don't we? And, and that's, you know, probably for a lot of people and myself included in various chapters of my own life, when I work so hard not to be subject to the big flick, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you could feel the big flick coming. You could see it. You could feel it at your back. And it's like, oh, no, oh, no, not the big right. flick. Right. And yet the big flick, you know, it's bound to happen, isn't it? Yes. And it's who we become in the free fall. Yes. And is that where you mostly meet people when they come to work with you? Yeah, I would say yes. Usually people come to work with me when they are, this is what they say. I've tried everything. I've done all the work. I've gone to all the therapists. I've read all the books. I've done all the personal development. I did, you know, and I say, perfect. You're welcome. This is, <laughs> this is exactly where, where I work, right? Is in the dark spaces where, um, for me, one of the biggest things that I really lean on in my work, I guess, is that so one thing I just think that you'll think this is interesting too, is patterns. When we talk about issues and patterns that come up and we think, how is this still happening? I have been living this out since, you know, since I was younger and I've been adamant about shifting this and somehow I'm still attracting these type of people or I'm still creating the, you know, breakdown in my money or whatever, you know, um, a lot of times we think, what did I do wrong to get here? Yes. Where did I go wrong or, or where did my family screw me up when I was little? <laughs> Those are the two things we look at. We're like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely wrong and bad just inherently. That's what a lot of people believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or they yes. Think, well, my parents are wrong and bad and they made me this way. So <laughs> yes. I, I go, <laughs> what if the thing that has you really caught up has to do with intergenerational trauma and mm. didn't start with you and didn't start with your parents and maybe didn't even start with their parents. Yes. So what happens when we allow ourselves to tune into more of like the quantum field and more of the understanding that time as a is a construct that we created. Mm -hmm. So even though I might not know who my ancestors were, yeah. I sure as heck can feel what my great, great, great grandmother was experiencing, not to mention science now, although it's slow, right, is showing us yep. that I was in my grandmother's body when, yes. you know, like when she was having my mother. So it's she had all her eggs. Right. And you were one of those eggs. It's incredible. Yes. Right? Yes. So the, the, the science sort of points to what we know intuitively, which is that there's these, there are these impressions, like soul impressions. Mm -hmm. Yes, they happen on a DNA level too, mm -hmm. right? It's all mm -hmm. the same, the same thing. And we can tune in. I can't even tell you one of the most beautiful things is to watch a woman who's highly successful in her work, right? She's having some major health breakdown because she's hustling and going and grinding and, you know, making some big business happen all the time. And then something happens and she stops and she goes, oh my gosh, my body is like, something's wrong, you know, and she comes and finds me 
And we start doing this work and she starts feeling resourced from her ancestors. She Ooh. starts feeling resourced mm. from the motherland that her family originally came from. And she starts to realize that this idea of like absolute independence where we're alone on an island isn't actually what she wants. That she wants something bigger and deeper and more connected than that. Mm. And so often when we connect to our lineage, we connect to uh, the great mother, this mm. earth, you know, we, we connect to nature and the universe and the absolute magic and gifts of that. Like anything is then possible, you know? Yes. You know, I, well, you are talking my language now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole intergenerational thing. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the Lakota Sioux teaching that we impact that when we do our healing work, we heal seven generations behind us of ancestors because we've inherited their wounding. And we, we heal, we alter the trajectory of seven generations ahead of us. You know, our children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, and so on and so forth down, down through the lineage that we literally via the, the healing that takes place at the, we're like the intersection of past and future. So the work that we do on ourselves is, is everything. It's so critical. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's such a healing work. And, um, how do you take people through that experience when they're when they're doing intergenerational healing work? How, how do you do that with people? Well, I can tell you that um, my mother teaches my course with me. So my signature program is Journey to the Great Mother. Ooh. And it's seven weeks of every week we meet and do an hour and a half to two hours together. And this is usually a pretty intimate group of women, right? That we're calling in to do is this. Is this alive? Is it in person? Is it via Zoom? How, how do you do it's it? It's via Zoom. Okay. So it's, right now it's virtual. We're actually creating an advanced level that will be in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it just meets on Zoom. And yeah, you know, what I tell people when they sign up, I, I don't ever... I, I'm very transparent with what I do. I have to be because if you if you don't want to go into the deep end, mm-hmm. then you should not work with me. Yeah. And I'm very clear up front with people about yeah. that. Um, if you're nervous, but you'll still go, if you have fear coming up, all of that is fine and great. Like we can be with all of that. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. time I open the portal of this class, I always feel a little bit nervous because I'm like, oh, what are we going to find? You know? And yeah really what it is, is this seven weeks is a process of, gosh, I mean, it really does have a structure to it. I mean, first it's basically how quickly can I create a brave space for this group of women so that they feel like they can let their guards down, bring all of themselves and do the deepest work together, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing we actually do 
we just started this with our last circle. We've done four circles so far of this program. And the last one, we start by, and they don't know this ahead of time, they start by introducing themselves, their parents, and their grandparents in the, the land that they all come from. Mm. That's how we start the class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes you start a class like, okay, introduce yourself and tell <laughs> us what you do for a living. And yeah. I'm like, well, what's a way we could just dive right in? Yeah. You know? yeah. Inevitably, we're crying. There's hearing the names, just the acknowledgement, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the women having revelations of how do I not know my grandmother's name? How do mm. I not know this? How do I not know where she's from? Nothing wrong with that, but just recognizing, you know, and so already the threads of connection are happening. And then we go through a process. I basically do this like very much like throw it all at you download about what is what is this awakening journey really about i talk a lot about mary magdalene i talk about myth, the myth of anana and i i tell stories i tell myths i talk about the goddess you know and all of these different stories of the goddess help these women see themselves That's yes really it, it gives you know? us a context yes of course it connects right? us to the greater story of the great mother and the divine feminine that's right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, if we're really being called to the forefront here, which I believe we are, I believe that women are guiding this new place that we're headed, you know, and yeah. hopefully the men are coming. I really hope so. You know, I want them there, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I believe we're being called to this. So my job is sort of like, how many, you know, people can I take through this process? And I'll tell you, what's so beautiful is we have had miraculous healings happen on these calls on zoom with women all over the world. It's Isn't wild. that amazing? Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And the thing, the, the primary thing that I hear them saying at the end is I had no idea that I was psychically gifted, or I had no idea that I could support another woman in that deep of a healing. Because what I do, this is my secret sauce, by the way, is that I don't hold all of it like, here's my way of doing it and let me help you. I actually, pretty quickly, halfway through the seven weeks, I teach them how to do what I'm doing. So I go, go into breakout rooms and you go do this with each other. And what happens? They come back going, how did they know? How did so-and-so know that my mom had that experience? And how did they, because I teach them to tune into the body and listen to what the body is telling them. And by the way, like we can feel into anything. We live in the field yeah. of like infinite information, you know, and we can connect to any of it. So when we tell ourselves we don't know, we're just telling ourselves a lie. <laughs> you know, I, you're talking my language, girl. <laughs> we are the field, you know, yes. more than just live in the field. We are the field. We are. You know, Carl Sagan says we're made of star stuff. Yes. Yes. We are a way for the cosmos to know itself. Exactly. We are yeah. the expression of the cosmos. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what's come up for me as I'm listening to you is you're sharing about how you open your sessions and you have, 
each participant share about their name and their grandmother's name. When you said that, do you know what came up for me? What? That my last name, Rich, when I was divorced 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, I didn't want to go through the rest of my life with someone else's name that really did had no more meaning for me. So I went back through my female lineage and my picked I picked my great grandmother's name, which was Rich. Elmira Rich was her name. I love that. Yeah. So I took that on as my own name. And that's been, you know, 30 or so years ago now. That's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I love, I love pulling that feminine ancestry uh, of my own lineage forwards. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You know, Christina, this sounds wonderful. I, congratulations. This is amazing work that you're doing with women. How, uh, so where are you in that process? Do you, how often do you start these groups? Well, you know, we're sort of in the beginnings of watching it becoming something bigger, you know, So we did, I think we did three circles last year. We did one already this year, and I think we will open another one probably in the fall is what we're looking at. Maybe sooner, but probably in the fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how can someone find out more information about this? So right now we're going in, we're kind of in the middle of such a rebirth in my business right now, I'll call it. Um, but right now you can go to www.12, the number 12, circlesof12.com. Um, that has information about Journey to the Great Mother. And then the other thing is, you know, I, I'm on Instagram. You can look up my name there and um, you can always connect with me there to find out about. Okay. Details. So it's 12 circles of 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is the significance of, of the number 12? Is there a, is there a significance? Well, <laughs> yeah, of course. I think <laughs> the 12 circles of 12 refers to the um, 12 circles of 12 priestesses in Atlantis. So it's about the 144, the 144 at the time, well, you know, we don't we don't know a lot about Atlantis, but we a lot of us have had like visions and you know connections to that place. Um, but really, it's like the I I would say like the different um, gifts of the goddess, or you know, these different female bodied beings were really doing the the life mm-hmm. work at the time, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's mm-hmm. where the that comes from. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. Um, what is a person's unique energy signature? I love that question. So one of the one of the things about me is I'm very clairvoyant. I am a seer. I have a very powerful third eye that can see all kinds of things. And one of the things that I work a lot with spirit guides, um, and they they share things with me a lot. And I, because I've just been doing this deep soul work now for so long, I have been starting to receive, I would say like stories and metaphors around what is the soul? 
where do we come from? You know, and the guides show me like these great metaphors around all of that. And so one of the things that they've shared with me is that essentially the soul inside of you is, you know, connected to what they call like an oversoul, we'll say in the cosmos or in the mm -hmm. heavens, right? Mm -hmm. This one place of cosmic soup. And we come in as this individual with this little bit of the, of the oversoul, this big one soul of oneness, right? We come mm -hmm. in with our own mm -hmm. and we come in and there is something to it. Like you were saying, there's some messages written on that heart or that soul, right? There's some information there. Mm -hmm. And um, they really share that you have a very unique energy signature, just you. So even though it's very much connected to all that is, mm -hmm. of course, it does. It has a special purpose here. And even if in our very logical brains or in our very human selves, we diminish it or we think that, gosh, I'm not doing that bigger thing. I'm not being out there like some people are out. We compare ourselves all the time. Yes, yes, we're, yes. We're missing the whole point. We're missing the whole point because whatever was written on the heart, whatever we, we kind of chose or whatever threads were being woven when we came into being, it's not set up that there's certain things that are successful and certain things that aren't. It's literally how do we walk through the human experience having the full spectrum experience? And that's what they tell me all the time. Humans are not here to feel happiness. Humans are here to feel everything. Yes. And it's how you feel it. It's how are you with it? How are you perceiving it, right? Rather than thinking, oh, I've got to get enlightened. I've got to get to the joy. I've got to get to the happiness. It's like, well, how can you open up to all of the experiences so that when you are having the hardest experience, you are having the most joyful experience? At the yes. Same? Yes. The both and. The both and. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um I can't remember where I shared this recently. Um, oh, there was a post on Facebook that's um, there's a there's a there's a, a a site on Facebook that's run by um, it's, it's kind of a sacred dying process and it's run by a death doula and I. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I don't remember this woman's name at the moment, but I, I feel like I really do want to connect with her because uh, she wrote this beautiful post about dying. And it says, you know, here's, here's what you need to do when you're with someone who is dying, period. Mm -hmm. And the next word is nothing. Yes. Do nothing. Yes. And then it goes on to talk about being present being a witness, holding the space, you know, and it was just really beautiful. And, and I shared about my own experience of being with my own mother when she died, when she passed, it was a, it was a really dramatic experience. I won't go to, into all the details now, but what I did share was in that one moment when she took her last breath, it was the saddest and most beautiful joyful experience of my life yes. that I was 
at the deepest, most sorrowful loss of my mother, and at the same time experiencing almost a static joy for her, that she was released, that she was free, that she was moving on, that she was no longer trapped in this physical body, and that we are capable of holding all of that, what the Jungians call the tension of opposites. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so your, your guides are speaking the same language using different words, but yeah. that's our ultimate task here is to be able to hold the tension of opposites. So we can have, you know, the one spectrum of feelings over here, we might call the denser, the lower vibrational feelings like shame and humiliation and guilt, mm-hmm. which are the lowest vibrating feelings and love and connection and unity and oneness. We are capable of holding that entire spectrum of emotions. And what an amazing experience that is. And, you know, if we could develop that capacity in our daily lives, because you see, and I see in the people that I work with, people who are in the more challenging, let's say lower vibrational emotions that do not know how to process, handle that and do their life, (laughs) you know, and live their life. Yes. Right. Yeah. So um, it's challenging being a human being. It it brings to mind that saying, I'm sure you've heard, we are spiritual beings having a human experience, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. I can't remember who said that, but I think about that a lot. You know, this spirit that is somehow trapped in this physical body that has an ego, you know, the spirit that's dealing with an ego (laughs) that gets so messed up, so confused, so lost, you know, runs the whole gambit is being flicked, you know, the big flick and the spirit and the soul is going, yes, bring it on. That's right. Soul loves all that stuff. So true. Because that's what we came for. Oh my gosh, Christina, I have a feeling we could go on and on about this, <laughs> but I want to, I, I would like to, um, I'd like to close with a couple of personal questions for you. Sure. So where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Oh my goodness. Yeah. You shared with me about buying some land. I did just what's now. Your, what's your vision for your life 10 years down the road? I all I can really say is I am so lucky to be here now. And not that I don't have a vision, but I also just feel like we spend a lot of time thinking about what do I want in the future? And, you know, what do I want to forget about from my past and sort of all of that, you know, and What I keep coming back to, I did just buy a house and it's like, I never thought that I could buy a house. You know, this woman at 36 years old doing this on her own, running her own business. And I say that with so much humility, like the fact that this is even my life, I'm just sort of like, I'm just on on the ride and I'm a yes for it. So I imagine 
just so much um, sharing. I imagine sharing and being generous with what I have always, you know, and whatever that is, if I'm on the same 10 acres that I get to move to next month in 10 years, I imagine creating a really beautiful place for people I love to come and stay and have their own kind of spiritual experience on the land. I see that. I mm -hmm. see taking my mom on a few more trips, you know, she's 69 this year and we're sort of like, let's go to, let's go do more adventuring, you know, it's yes. so, we're so lucky to be here. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All I can say is I get to keep living and loving and, sh and sharing, you know, sharing in, um, the magic of that full spectrum of life. Yes. And what I, what you didn't say is trusting, um, but I'm sure that was in there. And what you did say was continuing to, to be a yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the more people I can support, it's not even the more, it's like going to this deeper place with people so that they can turn around and they can take people, yes. you know, they can guide people in the darkness. That's actually the vision. It's not so much like I have to personally do the work because I think we're moving away i hope i'm i'm sourcing that we're moving away from this hierarchical mm -hmm. kind of guru vibe and more into how can i serve deeply who i'm in front of in this mm -hmm. moment and are they so transformed that they can turn around and they can put their hands out to people and say i i can walk you through this you know and that's much more aligned with the divine feminine with the feminine essences it's never about hierarchy is it no. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> Final question, Christina. Yeah. Um, you talked about a difficult chapter of your life when you were 20. If you could go back to her, the 20 year old, as who you are now, knowing what you know, having walked through what you've walked through, having learned what you've learned, if you could go back and sit down with her and have a cup of tea or, um, and just, share something with her that might yeah. support her that might make a difference for her what would you have what would you want her to know well this is sort of silly at least my own judgment of it the first thing that comes to mind is i would tell her that she was beautiful mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. because she didn't see herself. She didn't know? know that, did she? No. Not a clue. Yeah. And that beauty has nothing to do with, with attention from other people or what she thought she should be in the world for other people, you know, that, um, that she was lucky to be here and lucky to feel as vulnerable and scared and awake and full of creativity and life force as she was. And that, you know, what would it be like to trust that the universe and the great mother um, really had her back and yeah. that she didn't really need the, you know, and there was a lot of, I just remember grasping a lot for, for other people's like approval and, you know, the approval of my boyfriend at the time and sort of like wanting that outside, I don't know, some kind of security. Reassurance. You know? Yeah. Reassurance that it was going to be okay. And that. So you would be the reassurance for her that it was yeah. going to turn out just fine. Yeah. Yes? Kind of that she already like, 
yes, life is a bit of a shit show right now, but yeah, enjoy it. Where's the, can you have more fun? You know, <laughs> I mean, I grew up where my mom used to say to me as a teenager, she would be like, Christina, you will never be as beautiful as you are now. Take advantage, go wear the mini skirt and go out with your friends. And guess what I would say? I can't, I have homework. I can't, I gotta, I have other things I need to do. I was so serious. I'm like, just seriously, lady, yeah. take it, take a rest, you know, take it all less seriously, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. May, maybe that applies even today. Oh, absolutely. For all of us, yeah. for all of us. That seems like a perfect note for us to end on. And I just want to say how much I have loved and enjoyed this time with you. Thank you for, for coming and being with us today here in the new beyond. Yes. And um, many blessings to you, my dear. Many blessings. Godspeed, goddess speed, all the, all the angels and the goddesses and the saints and the, the celestial beings. May they bless your journey. Thank you. And I would love to just thank you, Judith, because we have spent some really beautiful time together, you as the mentor for me. And I am telling you right now, if there are only a couple of people, angels, guides for us that, you know, are placed in our soul path, you have been such a powerful and amazing one of those for me and I'm so grateful for you. Oh, thank you. I I receive that and I'm I'm really honored if I got to be that for you. That was a joy and will continue to be a joy. I will still be here for you always. Thank you. Thank you, my dear. Take care. Here's the part where I get to thank my producers, Justina Nielsen and Veronica Arbolita without whom the idea of doing a podcast would most likely be gathering dust balls in my mind. And my thanks to all of you, dearest listeners, for you are the ones who make this an inspiring adventure for me. I hope it lands that way for you as well. And if it does, please let me know. I love hearing from you. I love hearing your thoughts about these episodes, what's opening up for you, and who and what you'd like to hear from and about in future episodes. Come find me on Facebook, visit my website, or send me an email. I'll leave the details in the show notes. My deep appreciation to every one of you who take the time to write a review, rate, or follow wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you back here next time, out in the new beyond. Many blessings. Blessings.